0: Thank you for listening to the Streams Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. We are a community that strives to know Jesus and make him known. If you like our podcast, subscribe and leave us a great rating on Apple Podcasts. Thank you, and we hope you enjoy.
1: Thank you for continuing to pray for me. This is a, this is a journey. I've been on a journey for a while, but two things. Um, the goodness of God is never on trial in my life, just never is. Um, he's just been good all the time. My life is amazing. I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for the Lord. Um, my Father in Heaven, who's been so amazing to me. And then, um, I forgot what the second one was. Oh, the second one is this. Paul said, I'm going to glory in my weaknesses. We're not a church that hides those things. Like, if I'm going through this, um, my life's on display typically anyway. But um, we're not a church that hides these things, or we're, we we still believe that the Lord has a healing hand. And so, so they were saying, when you have surgery, and I'm saying, if I have to have surgery um, that's the the verbiage I use. Like, well, if I have to, um, but, um, we don't hide things here because Paul said, I glory my weaknesses. And what he means by that is that in this state that I'm going through right now, Holy Spirit still anoints me and uses me in this place. And so the only feedback you can ever give is, wow, God's amazing. Like he is great to be able to, really use the vehicles. And we all have that in us, right? We all have that moment, that weakness, that area where it makes us 100% dependent upon the power of Holy Spirit and the grace of God, of our Heavenly Father. And so I stand before you, always have, right now I'm sitting, I sit before you, um, leaning on the everlasting arms. I heard, um, there was a song I used to love a while back and there was this saying back, when I was young, well, you know, Christianity is just a crutch for the broken. And the guy goes, amen, it is. Uh-huh. I own that one. Yeah, Jesus is in my brokenness. He is my, he is my everything. He's my health, my crutch, my, whatever you want to call him, okay. And he is my, my warrior, all the above. Um, and so I need him every day in my life in every way. You agree with that? I mean, every day, every way. So thank you for a continued prayer and we'll just keep, we'll keep fighting this battle, right? Together. And I appreciate that. Um, we're talking about the God of the covenant. I love this series and every time I, I study it in the week, God just downloads something into my heart and especially this week. He's been downloading so much. A covenant in the ancient world is, is what we would consult, consider a contract or a will, um, where it establishes the basis of a relationship. And um, they establish the conditions for the relationship, you know, sort of like in a marital, you know, when you you said your vows, like for better or for worse, and I will be there in sickness and health, and all the things that you said. The promises of a relationship, I will stay with you until death do we part, you know. And then at times, especially when it comes to God, is the, the consequences or the benefits you can put in there too of the covenant. Like, if you, if you don't do that, if you don't stop doing this, this is what's going to happen. If you do this, this is what's going to happen. And so during this season, we as a speaking team, as leadership, really felt like with everything we've been going through, that knowing that God is a covenant God, that he keeps his promises, that he speaks his word, that there's a relationship that he wants between me and between you, and uh, between him, and in that, he creates his covenant with us, and he never, ever, ever breaks his covenant. He never breaks his promises. So you're going to see all the time, no matter what happens, God's faithful and God's true. There are two types of covenants that mentioned in the Bible. There are conditional covenants where God says, if you do this, then I'll do that. If you don't do this, then that, this is what's going to happen. And then there's unconditional promise uh, covenants where God says, I'm just going to do it regardless of what you think. You can get on my program or not. You can join me. But either way, I'm doing this with or without you. It's unconditional. So last week, we talked about the first real contract covenant that God made. And it was when the creation of mankind, when God created mankind, he said, I'm going to do this for you. This is what, why you were created. This is the, the covenant we have, and it was called the Edenic, the Eden covenant. And this is what God says. You're going to be made in my image. You're going to be able to reproduce and fill the earth. You're going to rule over the entire planet, the, fir, the fish and the birds and the trees. And I'm going to place you in the Garden of Eden, take care of it. So God creates man in his own image so he can have this wonderful relationship. Puts him in the Garden of Eden and says, now I'm going to, Um, This is our situation, and it's such a a beautiful place. I can only imagine peace and no pain, no sickness, animals that are subdued, and and there's an innocence in this. No, there's no concept of evil because God then gave them a choice in their free will, and they said this. Now, enjoy everything, but I'm going to give you a choice. There's going to be one thing in front of you that you have to choose. And it's the knowledge of the tree of good and evil. That's the knowledge of good and evil. They only knew in the Garden of Eden the innocence of everything. That's the, The only capacity they had was the purity and the innocence of everything, in relationships, sexual intimacy. And God says, I'm going to give you a choice. And last week we talked about why did God give them a choice? Why would he even do that? Because the pendulum between what is good and what is evil is a pretty wide swing. Because the pendulum, if you were to take sexual immorality or whatever, between sexual purity, that's a wide pendulum. There's a lot of deviation that can happen. So why in the world would God say, you know what, I'm going to give you a choice? We talked about it last week. It's interesting because I I read this article. It It was written in Reno, Nevada. And the guy was asking all these different faiths. Why does God let us make bad decisions? And so, he got a response. He put a response of everybody in here. I'll just read a couple of them. The first one is: um, This is the this guy's a professor uh, at a university, religion professor. His answer is because God also errs, makes mistakes, and because we're made in the image of God and He makes mistakes, then therefore we make mistakes. And he uses the text where God said. I relent that I made mankind right before Noah. So that's his answer, right? I'm going to say my answer. That's his answer. The Muslim representative said, there's no lame excuses for humans. Like, here's the law. Follow it. You don't have any excuse. You're going to be punished if you don't. That was his response. Um, The Catholic diocese said, we have the freedom to choose. God gave us a free will. Um, Like a parent, he wants us to grow up, and so he allows us to make decisions so he can guide and direct us. Um, the, uh, the Buddhist, of course, it's karma. You know, if you do, if your karma's good, then good things happen. If your karma's bad, then you get reincarnated as a frog or something. I don't know. When you, when you come back, right? Something happens. I don't know. The Latter-day Saints is like, things will work out at the end. There'll be this um, utopia society, and they sort of go that way. An American Indian spiritual scholar said, well, just stuff happens. And it says, like, to every river there is a bend, and the bends are, are meaningful and purposeful, and they all come together um, within the universe. Um, the Hebrew representative says God wants us to bring us to spiritual maturity, so he has to let us, so he can discipline us to get to that place of spiritual maturity. Um Greek Orthodox says we have to own our decisions. Um, and then, well, we, the Summit Christian Church, which where we would fall probably, says love requires a choice. We talked about that last week. Like, if you really want true love, you want the depth of love, you've got to give a choice. You've got to be chosen. And I showed our, our, our anniversary was last week, and I showed you the pictures, and the, um, our, the beginning of our vows were, by the choice of God and by the choice of my heart. I choose this. And there's a depth to that. And so God knowing, um, why would he allow evil? God knowing the depths of evil still thought it was worth it. And so hear me out on this because I was trying to place out my mind this a little bit this week and it just, it really touched me is there's a risk and reward that God was looking at in my mind because the pendulum swings wide. Why would he give us a choice? Why would he open up the door to evil, right? Why would he risk the atrocities, the worst thing the man could ever come up with, for the reward of the relationship? It's because he thought the risk, the reward is, the reward of, of eternal relationship with us, with his people, with his creation, was worth whatever the bad thing that could happen on this earth. And that's hard for us to even comprehend. But in my mind, that God thought I I mean, it just blows my mind away in that concept. So Eden was an unconditional, here's what you're going to have. The Eden concept, the Eden of walking with God, talking with God, the animals um, that are subdued in a, in a part of us, and all that, that that represents, that Eden will happen again one day. Right? I did the math. Stay with me, right? Try it. 2 Peter 3.8 says one day is as a thousand years in heaven. In other words, one day here equals to a thousand years in heaven. So I did the math. You have to break it down into like categories. So you have to bring the years down into uh, the days. So if you take 1,000 years and you multiply it by 365 days, you get... Look at it. I think this side was a little smarter than that side. So I'm just saying, or a little more vocal. Maybe that was it, right? Okay. So you have 365 days. So then if you, if you divide one day by 365,000 days, you get .0000274. So one day on earth is like .50s, 274 days in heaven. So let me use an illustration because I know I'm getting the looks. Let's say your grandmother, who you love deeply and dearly, um, passes at 80. You're like, I'm going to, I'm going to, and, and you're 40. Let's just, it's easier to keep the numbers like that. And you're 40 years old. You're, you're, she had your, your mom or dad when she was 20, and you had, they had you when, she was, when they were 20. So there's your 40, she's 80. And you're like, I'm going to miss my grandma. And 40 years, it's going to be 40 years until if I make it to 80, time I'm reunited with her. Like, that's just a long, long, long time. Or is it? Because if you take 40 and multiply it by 365 days to get on like terms, you have 14,600 days left. It doesn't seem like a lot, does it? When you turn it that way, I'm like... <laughs> For us, a little older, like, that's not my time. Um, so you multiply 14,600 times... 0.0274 days. And you get 0.96 or 0.04 days. You get 0.04 days. Now, if you multiply 0.04 times 24 hours, you get 0.96 hours or 57 minutes. So 40 years on earth is 57 minutes in heaven. Imagine if your grandma said, I'll see you in an hour. Right? I'll just see you in an hour. (laughs) Trust me, your grandma isn't filled with regret. Your grandma, when she gets there, is not going to be concerned about I didn't have five more days on earth. My life was cut short. No one feels like that. We just don't comprehend eternity. And uh, the second thing is we can't even fathom the glories of heaven and the new earth, the new Eden that will come. I can't even describe it, but all you have to say to me is no pain, and I'm all in, and I can't wait, right? Animals living in harmony. There is even a scriptural case. I'm not going to give it today, but there's a scriptural case to say that your pets will be there with you in heaven as well. Dogs, not cats. dogs. I don't think cats make it. Amen. I just think dogs. All dogs go to heaven, right? Not cats. So all the cat people are like, I'm not coming back. No, I'm just kidding. Cats too. Uh, the scripture says in 1 Corinthians 2.9, No eye has seen, nor ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Like, I can't even give you an idea what that looks like. So, God knew the risk of evil and considered the reward of eternal relationship worth the worst thing that could happen. Because his time is not like our time. And the understanding of this relationship, this powerful Eden, heaven and earth, it was, um, I call her Grandma Cory Ten Boom. Anybody remember, ever heard of Cory Ten Boom? All right, a lot of us, especially with the older... I, the reason I call her grandma is because uh, we know Floyd and Sally McClung who's poured into our family and our church like a father and a mother and considers me a son in the faith with them. Well, when they were in Amsterdam for 10 years ministering there, uh, Corrie came became like a mother to them. like She was a mother of their movement and really involved with Floyd and Sally. And so when they talk about her, they'll say Mama Corey um, is involved in their life. So indirectly, if you will... Because she downloaded into them. Floyd talks about her like I talk about Floyd. She downloaded into them, and then they downloaded into us. So we got Grandma Cory Tim doing. How about that? That's pretty cool stuff. If you haven't read The Hiding Place, it's a great book. She is a contemporary of um, of the World War II um, era, and she was in Holland, Amsterdam, Holland, with her family. They were strong believers. And when the Nazis invaded Amsterdam, uh, Holland, they became a part of the underground church, or the underground movement, I'm sorry, the Dutch underground movement, and they made a false wall in their house where they hid Jews from the Nazis in persecution and the and the death camps. Well, somebody told on them. So they got raided by the Nazi superiors, and their whole family, all 10 of them, were put into concentration camps. 10 days after being there, her father died in the concentration camp. Her sister Betsy was with her and uh, she was always frail in her life, not very well. And in that concentration camp, she died and Corey made it out. Um, Corey's traveled all around the world to tell everyone about the love of Jesus. This is her, her, this is a quote from her. There is no pit so deep that God's love is not deeper still. There's no evil out there that's so bad that God's love isn't greater than that. She tells a story that she was preaching a couple years after the war just above, um, uh, in Germany, in Berlin, just above Berlin in a, in a meeting there. And she looks up and she sees this man walking down after she preaches after the service to come meet her. And as she's walking down, she sees and she recognizes this is one of the guards at the concentration camp where she was interred. He's walking towards her, and she said as he was walking, she just felt the ice in her bloods and that, that same feeling of oppression that she had when she was in that camp. And the man walked forward and said, "I." she thought, there's no way he recognizes me, and he did. And he said, I am this person, and I have come to a faith in Jesus Christ as my Savior, and he has forgiven me. Can you forgive me? And he puts out his hand. And she said she froze for a second, and then was overwhelmed by holy spirit in her life and because of that she was able to reach out her hand back and to say i forgive you as well my brother there's no pit so deep that god's love is not deeper still romans 5:18 and 19 let me read that to you powerful scripture consequently just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people adam's sin so, also, one righteous act, the death of Jesus, resulted in the justification and life for all people. For just as through the disobedience of the one, many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous. By one man's sin, evil was, literally, hell was released on earth. And when by one man's action, Jesus, Forgiveness was released. Um, Adam's bad choice came with a lot of repercussions to this world and our life. Talk about a bad choice. That was a bad choice. Sin entered the world. And God, looking at that, the the potential of what might happen, still thought that giving man choice was worth it. And if scientists are right, and I'm not saying they're right, I'm just saying if they're right, they'll say that mankind has been in existence on earth for 200,000 years. That's the worst case scenario if they're right. But in heaven, that's 200 days. And imagine going, hey, there's going to be 200 days of a mess, but you get eternity with your creation in a love relationship. If you think of it that way, like, you can't even fathom that. God knowing that evil would reign for less than a year in heaven near the reward of eternity was worth it. Here's what I know about some of you sitting here today, about some of you watching. Like, You've made some bad choices. So bad you don't think they can be redeemed. Maybe it had to do with marrying the wrong person and there was that ugly divorce or maybe sowing your wild oats and all of a sudden now you become addicted to a drug or to alcohol or maybe you made a wrong turn in your life and you're so lost, you don't think there is a way back. So my question is this, can your bad choice, like Adam made a bad choice, can your bad choice change the fact that God is a covenant God? Because Adam's bad choice took us down a wrong path. But Jesus' right choice can bring us back. And one day, that covenant of Eden will happen again. If you look at all the people of God that we're going to talk about in these covenant, they all made bad choices. God made a covenant. They made a bad choice. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand if it fits you. I don't want to embarrass you. So just keep your hands down, all right? But I'm going to lay out this scenario. So Adam was given a covenant And Adam says, I'm going to eat the apple anyway. And he disobeyed God, and literally all hell broke loose and unleashed on this earth. Don't raise your hand if that's you, okay, if you've done something like that. Noah was naked and ashamed. I mean, he went through the ark. God God saved his family and all the animals. He gets out, and one day, he gets really drunk, and he gets in his tent, and he's there naked. And his kids come and make fun of him. I don't know if you've ever done that. Don't raise your hand. Don't want to embarrass you, okay? Keep your hands down. (laughs) Abraham had his wife lie and subjected her to other stuff. Like, they're on their way to Egypt. And he looked over and says, you are a fine-looking woman. You You are beautiful. So beautiful that I'm afraid when we go to Egypt, they're going to kill me so they can have you. So tell them you're my sister. And so Pharaoh takes her in his house and acts as if she was was his wife with her. And, And it's not, I mean, that's what Moses did. Or Abraham, I'm sorry, did. He slept with Hagar to have Ishmael. And they're still fighting today. Those two different people groups are still fighting today. That's a huge mistake Moses had anger issues. He killed a man. Comes down from the mountain. The people are disobeying. Takes the Ten Commandments. He just throws them down and breaks them in pieces. God told him one time, just tap a rock. Water will come forward. And He's mad. He strikes it with it. This guy has anger issues. King David stayed home and he should have been out with the men fighting. Looks across the way. Beautiful woman on the, on the, on the, on a, on a, on a balcony. She's bathing, goes and has somebody get her, brings her back, commits adultery. She gets pregnant. Don't raise your hand if this is you, okay? She gets pregnant, brings the husband back from, he decides he won't sleep with her, sends the husband back to the front lines and makes sure he gets killed in battle. We get to the new covenant. God made a covenant with David. God made a new covenant. New covenant. Jesus, is there. they're thieves on the cross. Man's a thief. Their mistake was costing them their own lives. And that man comes to faith. Anybody here like the Apostle Paul? Anybody been that bad? Murderous threats against the believers, against the way, out there killing Christians. Anybody been that bad, made that bad choice? But, Pastor Lloyd, my bad choices came after I came to faith in Christ. Sort of like Peter, who denied the Lord three times while he was taken in the, by the Romans. Peter, who later had prejudice. He was a prejudiced man. He had prejudice in his heart towards Gentile believers. Maybe like Paul, Paul who, read, who wrote most of the New Testament, Romans 7. This is Paul. Great Paul's talking. Verse 21 through 25. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, and evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man. I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself and my mind am a slave to God's law, but my sinful nature is a slave to the law of sin. And Paul says, Paul, who wrote so many books of the, the New Testament, says, I got this constant struggle in me. I want to do good, and then evil is there, and I, and then I, I just I'm, I'm dealing with this on a regular basis. I'm a wretched man. So, what mistake have you made that's worse than this? Like, what mistake have you made that is unredeemable? What mistake that 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 crashes the God of the covenant? Maybe like David, you know, I well, adultery and have a child out of the 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 covenant still was in place. Noah got drunk, made bed, the covenant was still in place. Moses had an anger issue, the covenant was still in place. Abraham lived in fear. So what in your life has made God's covenant now null and void? Someone just posted this online, I loved it. It said, waiting to come to God after you clean up your life or get things right is like waiting to go to the ER after you stop bleeding. Last week, I used the illustration of Payson that if if my wife and I went up there on Sunday afternoon, it was our anniversary on Monday, just to spend some time away. And we love to go up there. And uh, Payson was the end game, that was the goal. But I said, there are many ways to get to Payson. You can go the short route, which is where we went. You can go through Mason, go through Globe, and see some great mines there. Um, You can go up and go through Shea, up through Scottsdale, and get up that way. Or you can go up I 17 to Camp Verde and shoot across. I believe in our life that God gives us the ability and there are choices to allow us to be creative because um, he's the God of choice with our life. And I think all those routes, eh, there's a little difference in time, but not much. And I think there are times God says, okay, well, like, what do you want to do? Like, I, This is where we're going? What scenery would you like? And how can we get there? And we're going to get there anyway. I think people get really um, enamored, sometimes enamored is wrong, but really get stuck on Um, a place instead of a virtue. What is God's will for your life? Well, I mean, the scripture, to love mercy, to act justly, whether you're in Phoenix or Albuquerque. And there are moments and times when God does call missionaries. He called my daughter to Japan. I'm not saying that. I'm saying is the will of God is wherever you're at. There are defining things. And so the choices, I think God gives us some variants and choices, but... You may say, I chose to go west instead of east on I-10, and now I'm in L.A. Like, And I don't know how to get back. Where I got the flag, I didn't make the Camp Verde. I got the Flagstaff, oh, ooh, Route 66, and then I shot up. Now I'm in Chicago. <laughs> I'm lost. I don't know. You know, when um, there's a voice activation on Google Maps. It was annoying when I first got it because... I'd be wanting to go somewhere, and if I made a wrong turn, it would say, in 500 feet, do you U-turn and go the other way. And if, and then you get past that point. In another 200 feet, make a U-turn and, and go back the other way. Right? Except tell me U-turn. That's interesting because that's what repentance means, stop and go back the other way. Like, stop doing what you're doing, turn around and go the other way. That's the shortest route back to where you should be. But if you're like, I'm too far gone in that, it re- recalculates the route, the best route to get there. You mean? And you go, well, I missed the will of God. No, the will of God is still the same. It's just a different route you're going to take now. It's like it recalculated the route. I'm still going to get you there, but this is the route. It might be a little longer, it might be a little harder, but we're still going to get you there. His covenant doesn't change. There's nothing you can do, right? No mistake that you can make that He can't recover. And that's what I want us to remember as we go going forward, because some of you right now think, That you've gone too far. That you made too many bad decisions. That God can't turn that thing around. And I'm here to tell you, He is a covenant God. Now think about this. God knew exactly what you would do. He knew the capacity of the decisions you would make, the wrong things you would do. Knowing that, he felt the risk of that was worth the reward of knowing you for eternity. And you were born. And you may be overwhelmed by it, but he's not. The knows that this blip on the screen is nothing compared to eternity with him. So I want to pray with you and pray for you. If you'll stand with me, It was like to stand at the end and have prayer time. But if you've never made just the commitment or maybe you made a commitment a long time ago and you made decisions that have led you down pathways that you never dreamed you've walked and you live with a lot of guilt and you live with a lot of shame and you live with a lot of oppression and the bible tells us that that is not from god jesus said i did not come to condemn the world but that the world through me might be saved romans 8 says there is therefore no condemnation to those who are in christ jesus None. And so the father, like with the prodigal son who left, the father is waiting with open arms for you to return. So we're going to just pray right now. So Lord, I may be overwhelmed by the things that I've done, but you're not. And knowing this, you still created me, and I'm overwhelmed by that instead. So thank you, Lord. Thank you for grace, for love. Thank you that you never break your covenant. And there's nothing I can do, no bad choice that I can make that will break your covenant. I just choose to repent, to go back the way I should be going, to give you my life, Lord, every part of my life. And I thank you that you're the God of love and the God of covenant. And I receive that today in Jesus' name.
2: Amen you are good when there's nothing good in me you are love you are love on display for all to see you are light you are light when the darkness closes in you are hope you are hope you have covered all my sin and you are peace you are peace Running to your arms, I'm running to your arms. The riches of your love will always be enough. Nothing compares to your embrace, light of the world forever. Reign. Oh, you are more, you are more. You are more than my words will ever say You are Lord, You are Lord, all creation will proclaim You are here, You are here, in Your presence I may hold You are God, You are God, of all else I'm letting for of your love will always be now, nothing else to embrace, light of the world, or of you and all, I'm running to your arms, I'm running to your arms.
0: Aren't you glad that God pursues us and loves us? One thought before we leave. um, It says, this is such a huge concept, but it says that his love and his mercy are new every morning. Not great in our obedience, but great in his faithfulness. And so Jesus is coming back for a spotless bride, free of blemish. That's, that's his will for our life as his church. So maybe, maybe this message really resonates with you and you're saying, you know what, I am that person. God's saying, you turn, you turn. Or maybe I need a different recalculate, uh, recalculated route. We're here to pray for you and we would love to do that. We have a great little uh, prayer team right over here. Um, don't leave without prayer. And maybe you have a heavy heart for somebody who needs to do a year turn and you just want to agree in prayer for their salvation. We'd love to meet with you as well. So wherever you are, we appreciate you joining us this Sunday. We will see you next week at 10 a.m. and have an awesome, great week. God bless you all. We hope you enjoyed the live experience here at Streams Church. If you were blessed by what you heard, please feel free to like, comment, and subscribe. Additionally, if you'd like to get more connected or get into contact with us, please message us on any one of these social media accounts. Thank you so much, and we look forward to seeing you next week. Thank you for listening to our sermon you want to know more about us, you can find us at StreamsChurch.org or on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And if you enjoyed this content, subscribe and leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts. Till next time, have a great week.